Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Chris. For those who don't know me and those watching online, I'm a volunteer pastor here. And once in a while, I get the opportunity to come up and talk to you all from the pulpit. And I love that. We're uh, going to continue our series, our Christmas series. Um, today, we're going to be talking about peace. Last week, um, we're going to be switching up pastors every every Sunday going uh, as we count down to Christmas, covering key essential topics that kind of tie into that Christmas season. We have a video we're going to play here on the topic of peace, and then we'll talk about it. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is eirene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven and on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. 
So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. How cool is that? Okay. So last week, we're on week two now, so we're going to light the second candle. It's already been lit. You can tell that, but we're lighting it again. For this service, the peace candle. Everybody keep an eye on that. There's like combustibles here, combustibles here, and it bounces, and it just, the whole thing, my firefighter sensors are just like screaming at me. There is an open flame beside you. I'm keeping a little bit of water just in case. So peace, peace I bring you. Not me, but Jesus. And so we look around and in our lives, everybody is in a constant state of searching for peace. And there's a natural form of peace in our daily lives where we just are regulating our hours, we regulate our families, we regulate our work lives and things are in balance and there's peace there. But there's another greater peace that everybody lacks because of sin. And when God created the world and he designed it to be complete, he said, it's good. It was in its fullness and completion, it was good. And completion is equivocated with peace. And so when sin came into the world and separated that system, it divided us from God and we were separated from him. It broke the completeness of our relationship with God and now we're not at peace. And so the greatest form of peace or the greatest objective of life is to be at peace with God because to be at peace with God means that you're complete with him and your relationship is restored. And so Jesus came to this world declaring the kingdom of God and that kingdom, that kingdom is one of completeness. Jesus often said, I and the father are one. And so he came to show us what that completeness looked like so that we could also be restored to the father. And so God created each one of you to be in relationship with him. And it's only in that relationship that we can have that sense of peace. Now, when I say peace, I don't mean just the wishy-washy good feeling that you have on a, you know, when you're surrounded by family and you're, you know, the situation is really optimal and you're just like, wow, this is great. I feel really peaceful. And, I, and that is a form of peace. But the peace we're going to be looking at this morning is, again, that peace you only can find spiritually with your Heavenly Father. Now, sin is doing what is outside of God's established system. If you create a factory and it has an automated system in it, and it does exactly what it's supposed to do over and over and over again, that system is at peace. If you throw a literal wrench into the mix and it suddenly it jams it up and it can't do what it's supposed to do, then it's no longer at peace. It's in chaos. Stuff starts piling up. Things are broken. And so... What sin is, is sin is the proverbial monkey wrench to God's system. When we choose to do things or we deliberately do things that are out of order, according to how God has designed it to be, that's sin and it creates chaos. And chaos doesn't bring life. It only can bring death and destruction and unpleasant things. And so without completeness with God, there it cannot be any peace. And when it comes to like... People that are asking that question is like, well, I'm a good person. I don't sin. I, I, I need to cover my basis here. Romans 3.23 in the NLT says, for everyone has sinned. 
We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And so when God has set his standard or set his system in place, sin means that we have left that standard or left that, that system. We've broken it, and so there is no peace. And all have done so. It's unfortunate, but even children are born into this broken system. They inherit it. And you can throw yourself into every religious system, accomplish complete and total success in life, be the strongest, the smartest. You can ascend to enlightened heights in within yourself, discipline your mind and body, and yet you will still fall short of the design you were created to function in if you're outside of Christ's will for your life, if you're outside of that relationship with God. Only in relationship with Christ can you find rest, can you find peace because relationship was the original design? That's how God created you in his image to have that relationship. Um, we're going to read a passage from Romans 3, 23 to 27. So we're starting with the previous verse we just were looking at, and then we're going to keep reading it. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God. And when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood, this sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he, be, he himself is fair and just. And he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. So, in our lives then, there is no boasting there's no opportunity for saying, I did it. I have somehow ascended and made a better, better act of my life than you because we are not justified by works, but by Christ Jesus himself. He became the sacrifice for sin. In and of ourselves, there is no good thing. We were all created to exist within a completeness, spiritually, because that spiritual completeness is oneness with our Heavenly Father. Unfortunately, though, we're steeped in corruption and chaos because we tend to do things our own way. And then we ask, where is peace? Why am I not at peace? But Christ came to demonstrate what peace looked like and to show us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. John 17, 10 through to 11 says, all who are mine belong to you. So no, this is Jesus. He's in prayer. He's not preaching to the masses. He's, he's, he's having a discussion with his heavenly father. He's in prayer. And he says, all who are mine belong to you, speaking to the father. And you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. And so Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. If we want to get to the father, we go through Christ, and Christ is in his Father. So being one with God in relationship is 
peace, and completeness. Completeness being a complete system, going back to the original design, how it was supposed to be. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace because he was fully one with the Father. That's why Jesus has the title Prince of Peace. It's a royalty title. It says that he literally is the, not just the author, but he is the embodiment of peace. And so outside of Christ, regardless of what system you ascribe to or try to develop in your life, peace with God can only be found in Christ Jesus because he is the embodiment of it. He has the mark cornered. There is no other way than to God the Father. There is no other way to spiritual completeness in this life and for eternity outside of Christ's will for your life. John 14, verse 6 to 7. Jesus I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except by me. Jesus himself said it. If unless you believe this, unless you believe that Jesus is the only way, then you're lost. There is, Jesus himself said, I am the only way. And there's lots of people in this world that will try to consolidate other religions, uh, ways of doing things, systems and solutions, and they'll say, They'll say, Jesus is a part of that somehow. He has some wise words, but Jesus himself excludes all others and says, I am the way. Because at its core, it's not about systems. It's about relationship. And that relationship is in the Lord. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, now it's a very popular Christian verse, right? Let's read it in context. For us, a child is born to us. A son is given to us. Who gave us the son? The father. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We're going to pause before we keep going. Look at his titles. Wonderful Counselor. Why? Because he's the only one who can instruct you. He can, he's, the Jesus is the only one who can instruct you. To know Jesus is to know the Father. Mighty God, Jesus is God. Not just God, but mighty God. Furthermore, get this, everlasting Father, Jesus, everlasting for What happened to God the Father? They're one. And he's the Prince of Peace. Christ is the Word made flesh. We read this in John chapter 1. And we know that Jesus is the word, but more than that, we also know that Jesus created everything. So it's not just God the Father that created everything that we've broken relationship with. It's actually Christ that we've broken relationship with. See, Jesus created everything that exists, including you. And then he himself chose to come and pay for your sin to restore the system and the relationship that we broke. So we broke it, and Jesus chose to sacrifice himself to restore it, just to give us the opportunity to choose it. Right? Wow, indeed. If we don't surrender our own attempt to reach peace, then we're hope, we have no hope. We'll, you will never be able to obtain peace outside of Christ's plan for your life, outside of relationship with him. 
And there is no chance that you will inherit the kingdom that Christ came declaring because his kingdom is one of peace. It's one of completeness. And what's amazing is that we can inherit a kingdom of peace while we yet live in a fallen world. Because Jesus says in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Meaning this, despite your circumstances that are trouble, you can rest assured and rely and rest in peace in your relationship with God, knowing that though the waves are raging around me, I can have a nap in the boat. The Lord further promises that he will restore his kingdom of peace on the earth one day. It's coming. The day will come when he will reestablish his kingdom and all those that chose his kingdom in life will share it and inherit it for all eternity in life. But those who reject it and remain in death will choose to accept and reign and live in death for all eternity as well. Isaiah 9, verse 7. His government and its peace will never end. Wow. His government and peace will never end. Romans 6, 16, right to verse 23. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Pause. When we choose to serve Christ, when we choose to come into relationship through him, we choose to serve him because accepting Christ is to accept the way that he designed things to be. We say, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, I'm done trying it to do it my way because no matter how I build my systems, they don't seem to be complete. I'm choosing yours, Lord. And so... When we choose to obey it, we are brought into him. We'll keep going. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Weird how they project that. It was like single word. It's like emphasis on living. Thank you, God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching. We are, have given to you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led you ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. So when the word says we're becoming slaves of righteousness, we choose to be as slaves of righteousness, I would like to point out that slaves don't have much choice. But scripture is looking to impart understanding, spiritual understanding through a natural avenue. And it's just trying to show, it's like if you serve sin, you belong to it. That's what it's trying to say. But if you serve the Lord in righteousness, you belong to it. So which system will you belong to? One is peace and life. The other one is chaos and death. And there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. So you can try to build your own system and say, look, it's working for me, but you're, dece- you're deceiving yourself. You're in a place of deception. 
The person who convinces themselves to not surrender to God's system of completeness will not inherit eternal life. It's assured in the word. And the word is Christ. Christ himself assures you that if you choose any other way than him, you will not inherit eternal life. It's not possible. Because he created the system of this existence a certain way, and that is relationship with him. And any other way just doesn't work. You can't do it. Stop trying to do it. So let's recap a little bit. Peace means completeness. It really bangs when I go, peace. It's good. It wakes you up. Peace is completeness. Completeness is relationship with God. Because of sin, we each have broken our relationship at one point or another with God. But Christ, who is God, came and brought himself because he is the Prince of Peace and allowed himself to die in your place to give you the opportunity to be restored to his designed system of completeness. And it's only through him that you can have that, that you can be brought in. And not because of anything you do, there is no effort that we can, we can wage or provide that will build a system of our own merit to completeness or relationship with God. But we must instead go through the, through the Son because he is one with the Father. All your wise arguments to try to talk to God and debate and say, well, God, can I just do it this way? Or can I do it that way? Or maybe this isn't for me and it's for them. Or maybe just do like all these wise arguments with God don't fly. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to go to God and saying, I think the system you designed is flawed. I'd like to try to inject some of my own design theory here. And I'd like to try to incorporate this in the design. And the Lord is going, I love you, but this isn't going to work. You have to do it my way. Trust me, this is why everybody's in this mess, because they're trying to do it their way. And so you can have a discussion with God about the aspects of of his design. You can reason with God because that's relationship, but his design is not up for compromise or changing. So in the industry that we're in with fire alarms and stuff, fire alarm systems get designed because they're life safety, right? And the engineer, he designs them. And it's interesting because all the authorities having jurisdiction, fire prevention officers, building inspectors, whatever the engineers spec is what's spec'd. So you can go to the engineer and be like, I think you should do it this way because this way is really expensive. And the engineer's gonna look at you and go, but it doesn't accomplish the standard. And then you can go to the inspectors who sign off on it and you're gonna say, Uh, I think the engineer's out to lunch a little bit. Can we just agree to compromise on this design a little bit and you'll still sign off at it? And the engineers, the city inspector's going to look at you and go, no, not a chance, if he's a good one. He's going to say, not a chance, because I'm not going to own this thing if it goes sideways. The engineer specced it. It's to be specced. God has specced his system. And you can go and have a discussion with him as to why he specced it that way. But as to how to change it, it's a no-go. It's between you and the Lord. And there's nobody else that will get involved and tell you in a way that actually has merit, that somehow you can change it. So to peace, 
the way to peace with God has to be through Christ and it has to be his way at the end of the day. Because at the end of your day, and tomorrow is not promised, if you're not at peace with God, you have nothing. You have no surety. You have nothing. And when troubles come your way, there is no firm foundation on which to stand because you just get tossed around and hope you don't hit your head. Christ, our rock on which we stand. So this Christmas, every time you hear the word peace, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Every, Christmas is full of peace. Remember that what's actually being said is relationship restored with God in its completeness and goodwill for men because God's will can only come to you and it's good when you're in relationship and you're complete. So we're going to close out. If this morning you are here and you know in your heart that you are not at peace, you are not complete in Christ, and you've just decided, I'm going to stop trying to negotiate with God. I'm going to stop indulging myself. I'm going to stop injecting my own things into this relationship in such a way as that I'm trying to tell God how I'm going to do it. Instead, I'm going to serve it. I'm going to submit to it. Then there is room this morning because of what Christ did for you and the cross of Christ stands eternal and you're still breathing. So there's opportunity to breathe in accordance to God's will and say, I repent. Your will be done, not mine, Lord. For you are good and I am not. You are the master designer. I barely understand how to put my socks on in the morning. And I'm just gonna like give it to you, God, and just trust you. Even when I don't fully understand your design, I trust that you do. It's called faith, and I'm going to submit to that. And so when you leave this place this morning, having repented, be aware of what you allow yourself to think and do. And ask, does this fit God's design for my life? Does this fit with relationship to God? Will this add and build up my relationship with God, or will it tear it down and detract from it? And if it is going to tear down and detract, flee it. Run away. All right. Lord, we thank you that you were good, and you, in your mercy and grace, wanted a relationship with us. And even though we messed it up, God, and we continually mess it up, it seems, God, by your grace and mercy, Lord Jesus, you made a way where there was no way. We thank you, God, that you were so faithful to continually put completeness and peace in front of us and say, and beg with us, just plead in your word, choose life that you may live. Lord, may we not be stiff-necked and stubborn and look at our own way and our own things and say, Lord, but... Oh God, can I just do this instead? And we would just serve you and we would lay it all down in faith and relationship and say, Lord, teach me your ways rather than me trying to tell you how to do yours. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.